Finally, week one is here, and we have some real action coming up this weekend on the Daily Fantasy Front. Tom Gallon here alongside Matt Van Every. And on this episode of the Daily Fantasy Dudes podcast, we'll dive into our lineups for week one of the NFL season. Matt, are you ready to rock? If I was any more ready, it, it might be illegal in some states in the Bible Belt. That's a concern, but okay. All right. This is a great week for a couple of reasons in my book. First of all, it's a very even playing field for everyone. The top experts in DFS, guys who do this for a living, don't have a handle in this season. Nobody does. Secondly, there's outstanding opportunity for overlay in a lot of the contests. Since the DFS sites don't have their algorithms down just yet, that means greater opportunity to cash in some of these bigger GPP contests. Overlays, for those that don't know about it, simply means a tournament contest with a guaranteed payout when it doesn't fill. They'll still have to pay out that full amount regardless, which means you can get into situations where a contest where maybe it was scheduled to pay out to 20% of the pool suddenly is paying to closer to 50% of the pool due to the overlay. The overlay, I think, is a huge, profitable strategy that I play religiously. It's something that I'm always looking out for. No doubt, the overlay opportunities are key here in the first week or two of the season. Why don't we go right into our core picks for week one action? I'd imagine we'll have some very similar picks, especially at quarterback, where I'm personally going to use, generally I'm going to have five to ten lineups out there. Most of what I'm going to be playing is the single entries, but I'm going to play in several single entries, so I'll have a mix of these guys. My main guys are Ryan Tannehill, Sam Bradford, and Tony Romo. Which guys are you targeting in that all-important quarterback spot? Well, Tom, it may sound like an echo in here, but I am also targeting Sam Bradford, Ryan Tannehill, and then, you know, it's it's kind of a toss-up for me between a few different guys. I'd like Aaron Rodgers, you know, even with the injuries. I like Carson Palmer out in Arizona with John Brown. Larry Fitzgerald is back looking a little bit more like himself. Yeah, I don't mind Carson. It's just a little bit of uncertainty, you know, coming off an injury we really don't know. And their, their offense, while it may have to score against New Orleans, to me, that's not a game that's going to be high scoring necessarily. I really look at the later games in the slate, and those look like to be outstanding games. So let's talk about receivers right now. I'll give you a few of my favorites. Obviously, I think that Dallas and New York Giants game is just chock full of great opportunities at the receiver. Odell Beckham, great opportunity. Dez, of course. If you can get those two superstars in there, well worth it. But I also like Ruben Randall as a cheap option. And you've got Terrence Williams on the Dallas side. If you can mix in those guys, for instance, I'm going to go heavy on, let's say I can get an Odell Beckham in there. Well, then I'm going to take on the other side, Terrence Williams, because I want to have two guys from that game in all likelihood. A few others that I like, obviously Julio Jones for... Atlanta going against Philadelphia in what should be a huge scoring Monday night game. I'm with you. I like John Brown a lot as a cheaper option. A.J. Green, I'll be shocked if he doesn't score against the Raiders. Jarvis Landry is another good one. And I kind of like Keenan Allen there against Detroit in San Diego because Detroit's pass rush this year won't be that great. Sue was no longer there. And I suspect that the preseason Keenan Allen just had is a forebearer of what he'll do this regular season. I'm in agreement with that for sure. I also think that the uh, the Chargers versus the Lions is a good matchup. And, you know, again, there's going to be a lot of agreement. You, you listed a lot of guys there, Tom. I uh, You took a few of mine, but, I, I, you know, I'm on the same train. Des Bryant is a guy that I really like. He typically puts up big numbers against the Giants. 
and I do see him having a huge week. Obviously, Julio Jones is an easy guy to, to go ahead and put it in a lineup. If you can roster him along with Dez, I do prefer Dez. On a little bit more value, I really like Jordan Matthews in Philadelphia. From all I hear is that him and Bradford have got a great rapport going, and he has already established himself as Bradford's go-to guy. And then a few other value picks, Jarvis Landry as well. I think, you know, your guy, Ryan Tannehill, they seem to really have a good rapport. They sure did last year, and I think Landry is a PPR stud. He's going to catch a lot of balls. Wasn't exactly a red zone threat last year, but I think that that could change this year. But regardless, he's going to catch a lot of passes. On the uh, the extreme value plays, I really do like John Brown. I think that this is a breakout year for John Brown, potentially a Pro Bowl type year for John Brown. Carson Palmer loves him. He's got 4-3 speed, and he catches everything that's thrown his direction. Last and certainly not least, a guy that got hurt last year right as his star was beginning to shine, and that is Allen Robinson in Jacksonville. I think that Allen is a, a, a heck of a player. Blake Bortles is coming along. He's looking pretty good. I'm still a little uncertain, and that's my only knock on Allen Robinson. My big three this week will probably be Des Bryant, Jordan Matthews, and Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I like Allen Robinson a lot, too. He's on my list for sure. One I forgot to mention, too, I love having plenty of guys on Monday night. Now, this first week, of course, they have the two Monday night games. Well, Charles Johnson at 4,900 on DraftKings, I think is a steal for a guy you can have on Monday night. Great play. You know, you never want to go into Monday night where all you could do is lose ground. Have at least one player on Monday night, people. Absolutely. That's a key factor. And, and, you know, boy, it's just, it's a psychological thing, if nothing else, too. You know, your opponents hate to know you're out there creeping like Jaws. Dun it, dun it. Yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of opportunities in that Philly-Atlanta game on Monday night. And then the last game of the night being the San Francisco-Minnesota. So, yeah, definitely like those options. Moving on to running back. Quite a few. Again, we're looking Monday night. I love DeMarco Murray. He's actually reasonably priced on most sites. Adrian Peterson, another option on Monday night if you can squeeze him in. I'm not quite as high on him as as you are, but hey, he's facing the Niners. The one fear that I do have with Adrian in that game is that the turf is an issue, and that's why I kind of wonder, is he going to have the good footing? And it could be a blowout Minnesota's way. As much as Adrian may want to set all kinds of records, his coach is not going to let him play in a game where it's 31-10. to 10. So that's my only concern there. I do have him in, in several lineups. Eddie Lacy, I love at Chicago because the Bears defense hasn't gotten any better. Chris Ivory is a nice little low-budget play against Cleveland. He'll get plenty of carries, as is Doug Martin. I think Doug Martin will bounce back this year. Tennessee's defense, not good against the run last year. A couple of flyers I might be willing to take is McFadden against the New York Giants, Darren McFadden. If he blows one up, he could go 80 yards in a big hurry, and it's a game that we all anticipate plenty of scoring. On the uber-cheap side, I might be willing to go Benny Cunningham because most sites that I've seen indicate that Trey Mason and Gurley are both out. Matt Forte has certainly done well against Green Bay, and I think he will be a focus of their offense again. I'm not a big Forte guy, but in this opportunity, I think there's a good chance. And then the last one that I would say for uh, running backs, relatively cheap, kind of a mid-tier guy. Let's not forget that Jonathan Stewart was averaging over five yards a carry the last five games last year, and he is now the one and only running back in Carolina. So you're not sold on artist pain then in Carolina as the the potential future in the backfield? Not just yet, no. Not just yet, no. I I do think he's a a potential sleeper down down the road. We may discuss him, who knows. But running back's the one position that I am not going to go low budget. It's just too much of a drop-off between the top guys. Who I like, Jeremy Hill. 
up against the Raiders. I think that there's a good chance that he he runs buck wild over them. Adrian Peterson, the beast, is going to be unleashed up there in Santa Clara or wherever it is, and he's going to run roughshod all over that 49er defense. I also like Lamar Miller of the Dolphins playing against the Redskins. I really think that Lamar is going to have a good year if he doesn't end up losing too many touches to his backup, Damian Williams, who, who I know they're pretty high on. I also like C.J. Anderson in Denver, which... I said in the uh, in the top tens, I wasn't real crazy about any of the Denver running backs. And going forward, I'm not because I am worried that touches are going to get split. But week one, this week, right now, I think C.J. Anderson is a top play and that he is going to get fed the pill upwards of 25 times. And if that's the case, I think he's going to get his yardage and he's going to get his touchdowns. I love DeMarco Murray, just like you said. I mean, if there's an all-purpose back right now that really has a lot of appeal I think it's got to be DeMarco Murray. He's going to catch passes. He's going to run the ball. He was Sam Bradford's college roommate. Don't forget that. So the rapport is there from day one. And I think DeMarco Murray is slated for a big first game. I also uh, do like Mark Ingram in New Orleans. I think they're a little short on weapons there. And so by default, he's going to see a lot of carries. And then last but not least, your boy, who uh, I didn't hear you mention this week, but uh, Latavius Murray up in Oakland. I think that that could be a really premier matchup for running backs. The Cincinnati Bengals versus the Oakland Raiders. Latavius Murray versus Jeremy Hill could end up as a track meet. Yeah, Latavius, I mean, it's just the matchup. I think the defense by Cincinnati is pretty tough, so that's the main reason. Moving on, let's go to tight end. This is one where, you know, obviously, Gronk played on Thursday night. He did a great job. Of course, Pittsburgh needs to probably realize, oh, that number 87, that really big guy, we should probably guard him. Going into the weekend, though, You know, I don't think Jimmy Graham's no safe bet. So therefore, I really like, there's, to me, outstanding opportunity for the cheaper guys at the tight end spot. But the expensive guys I'm looking at are Martellus Bennett for the Bears and Delaney Walker for Tennessee. So those two are kind of my expensive guys, if you want to call them that. But I still love Larry Donnell for the Giants against Dallas in a game that should be just high scoring. He caught seven balls against them last year in the game at Dallas. Richard Rodgers is a great opportunity against Chicago for Green Bay. And Crockett Gilmore, of all people, for Baltimore. Both those last two guys on DraftKings, 2500 bucks. That means you can probably squeeze in the Des Bryant, the Odell Beckham, the A.J. Green. That's kind of my spot this first week where I'm going probably the discount so that I can squeeze in other players is tight end. Absolutely, Tom. I'm I am with you 100%. I'm going no further than three dirt rock bottom picks, and that is Richard Rogers, who you've already mentioned, and then Brent Selleck in Philadelphia. Which, from what I hear, he does have a rapport with Sam Bradford. Zach Ertz is overrated. He's been one of those guys. He's been on the on the potential breakout candidate list. What two, three years now? That's never a good thing, you know, to to not break out over and over again. So I'm selling on Zach Ertz. I'm buying on Brent Selleck. But my pick of the week, my sleeper value play is Ben Watson in New Orleans. And nobody's talking about this guy, but he is their three down back. Make no mistake, Josh Hill is not the three down guy. At some point this season, he may be. But right now, Ben Watson is one of only two, you know, real veteran receivers that Drew Brees has to throw to, him and Colston being the other. Other than that, he's got a bunch of young guys. Drew Brees loves to throw the tight end, and Ben Watson is it. And against the Cardinals, who gave up the fourth most fantasy points last year to tight ends, double-digit points in 10 out of 16 contests, Ben Watson, mark it down, put him in your lineup, and then go get Des Bryant, go get Julio Jones, go get Adrian Peterson, and stack up elsewhere. 
Yeah, that's definitely a plan. Now, I did look on the latest injury report, and Zach Ertz, while listed as questionable, the coach, Chip Kelly, says he's probably a game-time decision. So that's the one thing on him. But absolutely, you could jump on the Ben Watson train and feel pretty confident because I think he is indeed going to be the guy that's starting that game, and they'll be throwing to him. That's going to be one of those games, even if the whole plan for New Orleans is to run the ball more this year, which I don't doubt that it pretty much is, I don't know if they can do it that game. They're going to be throwing the ball against Arizona because Arizona's pretty solid against the run. So it will be interesting. And I think I would agree with what you said. Get into the red zone. That's probably one of his key targets right there, Ben Watson. Absolutely, yes. Uh, he's he's my, my value play of the week, and I, I couldn't be more excited about him. All right, moving on. Let's uh, talk a little bit on the defensive end. I do think defense for this first week is pretty important, and I'm probably not going to go very cheap. I love the matchup of the Jets playing Cleveland because you never know how the quarterback situation is going to fall out in Cleveland. I would be shocked if Cleveland put up even 17 points in that game. The Dolphins against the Redskins, another great matchup where the very dysfunctional Redskins haven't really decided what their game plan is going forward. They're playing around with the quarterback spot. And then how can you go wrong with the Texans with that awesome front? I've already heard that J.J. Watt is just chomping at the bit to get out there and play in a real game. And then I actually don't like the, I mean, I don't mind the Vikings against the 49ers because I think the 49ers offense, from what I've seen, they haven't shown me anything. So the Vikings have a great opportunity to really shut down what looks like a pretty weak offense in San Francisco. I agree 100% on the Vikings. I, I do think that that is a great play. This week for me, I'm not looking to spend quite as much as you are on defenses. I do like to put my money elsewhere. However, I like the Jets, again, just like you said. You know, Rex Ryan's fingerprints are still all over that defense. And going up against the Browns, which, you know, the, the fighting Johnny footballs, you know, have they? I don't even know if they've named the starting quarterback yet. I don't care if they have or not. Either way, that defense is good. The Browns' offense is not. They're going to be a defense to play in Week 1. I also do like the Broncos up against the Ravens, which I know in the past years they put up a lot of points on both sides of the ball in that game, but... I think the Ravens are going to struggle to score points this year. I think the Broncos are going to shut them down. One last pick I also like is kind of a wild card, throw it out there, but that is the uh, the Packers as well, you know, which not always known for defense. However, this year playing the Bears, that's another team I think is really going to struggle on the offensive side of the ball. That's not bad, but like I say, my gut feeling is those three defenses that I mentioned are probably the only ones I'm going with. I may sneak it. If I have to go uber cheap, Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of difference in most of the pricing on the defenses, so you can't gain much more than like 500 bucks on DraftKings if you go uber cheap. I'll probably stick with teams like the Jets, Texans, Dolphins, those kind of teams. Moving on, let's talk about contests we love. And I, what I try to tell everybody, this first couple weeks of the season, my goodness, especially if you're a GPP, one of the bigger tournament type of players, you got to jump on the overlay opportunities that are out there, and there are plenty of them. In draft teams I'm looking right now, there's so many contests that aren't even more than the third filled. And while granted, there could be a wild movement on Sunday morning where those come a lot closer, chances are you're going to have a lot of contests that are about 70 to 80% full, which means they're paying out to anywhere from 30 to 40% of the contestants. I love those opportunities. That's the reason that in weeks one and two, I really concentrate on the bigger contest. Absolutely. I'm with you 100% again, Tom. Overlay is where it's at. You know, you've got to find those opportunities to tilt the odds in your favor. You know, that's the beauty of DFS is that there is a few different ways that you can sometimes tilt the odds. It is a skill game. 
And I really think that uh, overlay is a key. You know, personally, I, I like a site that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is at fantasyhub.com. Look at the NFL dime. It's a $10 buy-in. The first prize is going to walk with $675. So, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but that's a pretty good return on your investment. You know, you don't have to be Warren Buffett to know that. You know, and even the 10th guy is going to take 40 bucks. So that's a contest I like at a $10 entry. Fantasy Hub has really been having some overlay opportunity, folks. I've been tweeting about it. I've been writing about it. Get on Fantasy Hub and play some of these overlay games. It's like taking candy from a baby. Another one there on Fantasy Hub, again, is the NFL Rush. The buy-in is $25, which, you know, is not a trifle. But with the overlay opportunity, again, I mean, this is just likely sitting there waiting for you to step up and take it. First place can win $850, and even finishing 21st through 50th will get you 40 So I really like those two contests at Fantasy Hub and, you know, Fantasy Hub in general, just any of those guaranteed prize pool overlay opportunities. Yeah, that's one thing I like to point people to, especially if they're not familiar with some of these other sites. There are other sites besides FanDuel and DraftKings, which have become very much havens for the expert type of players. So these other sites give you a great opportunity to take a small investment and quite possibly pay off big, whereas those chances are getting a little fewer and far between on DraftKings and FanDuel for the most part. What we'll do on Sunday morning on the website, dailyfantasydudes.com, we're going to post as we get a little closer to game time, maybe a half hour to 45 minutes before the game start, our favorite ones that look like great overlay opportunities I'll be playing a lot of Fantasy Score and DraftKings this week. We'll certainly post what you've got to say about Fantasy Hub. That's what people should be looking at. Moving on, we're going to do this each week. We're going to have a tip to make you a better player every week of the season. Each of us will give one. My one for week one is watch games more as a coach than a fan. I really recommend you keep a log of things you note quarterback and a wide receiver combo that just misses connecting on a long TD, offensive line that looks overmatched and unable to protect their quarterback, that sort of thing. If you are able to keep close tabs on all games each week, either at a sports bar or NFL Sunday ticket at home, you'll be able to gather a lot of tips that can pay off as the season moves forward. Now, what I'll usually do is I'll plug them into a software tool like Evernote, but certainly the old school paper notepad works just fine. The key is to note things that are probably not going to show up in a box score. Each week, I'll review my notes as I'm getting set for the coming week's picks. It can pay off big if you can find kind of that diamond in a rough. What's your tip for the first week of action there, Matt? Well, Tom, so so you're talking about using a paper and pen to take notes. Now, let me be specific. Are you talking about using a, a, a quill with a feather in it and papyrus, or is that if actual? You've, if you've got the, yeah, uh, Abe Lincoln ink pen, yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what if, I thought. If you must. Tom's dating I don't, himself personally, I use Evernote. It's a computer-based one. But if you have no other option than to whip out that quill and you lick it before you start writing, right? by all means, do that. The Flintstones, like hammering into the, there into you the go. stone. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and folks, if, if your cup of tea isn't going to be pen and paper or any of those options, you can always record it on your iPhone these days or your Android, whatever you got. You know, my tip of the week, this may seem kind of basic, but sometimes I think that overlooked fundamentals can really sink a player. And when playing in the Guaranteed Prides Contest or GPP, as they're commonly known in the vernacular of DFS, two factors need to be foremost in your thoughts as you join and build your lineup. Overlay, which we've been talking about, the other factor, and this one is really key, is you've got to have a unique, or as we say in the DFS vernacular, contrarian lineup. If you want to do more than just break even or just make a little bit of scratch, 
then you're going to have to go against the grain. You're going to have to make picks outside the norm. You know, someone like my Ben Watson at tight end. And I suggest that at minimum, you need to have two picks that you really go against the grain. Guys that you think this guy's going to have a good week. Nobody agrees with me and I don't care. Certainly, if you can find two, you're improving your odds tremendously if those guys come through for you. So absolutely, keep that in mind whenever you're playing the guaranteed prize pools. That does it for this episode number four of the Daily Fantasy Dudes podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And check us out for more news and tips at dailyfantasydudes.com. Like I said before, we'll post our final lineups there Sunday morning around 30 minutes before the actual games kick off. And we'll be back in week two with more recommendations and a review of how things went in week one. Until then, that's a wrap for the Daily Fantasy Dudes podcast. (music) 